The first reading is from Acts, the fifth chapter. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutius rode up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400 joined him and he was killed and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from 1 Peter, the first chapter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it into my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I mentioned before, I'd like to speak to you today about the theme of joy. And perhaps you noticed in the different readings, but just to highlight them again, if you look in the uh, reading from Acts chapter 5, right around verse 41, while the apostles are being beaten and charged not to speak in the name of Jesus, it says as they left the presence of the council, they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And then in the epistle reading, it talks about being called to a living hope. It talks about being... Um, in verse 6, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And then at the end of that, in verse 8, it says, Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And then lastly, in the in the encounter in John 20 of Jesus with the disciples, they were glad when they saw the Lord. They were locked in fear inside the upper room, and then Jesus appeared behind the locked doors, showed himself to them by his hands, his side, proofs of his uh, resurrection in the body, and they were glad. They rejoiced. And what I want to highlight for you today as a theme among all of these different things is that there is the presence of joy in the midst of and alongside of various trials, persecutions, fears, and difficulties. 
And I would put it to you that uh, we don't often think to look for joy in these unexpected places. We don't expect to find joy along those things. So I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into what joy is and maybe also what it is not and how we can see joy. I think that all of us in various ways see the suffering, the challenges, the griefs and sorrows that fill our lives. I see it in the lives of my soldiers as I talk to them. I know that I see uh, the edges of it, uh, at least as well as I know some of you, and hear about uh, some of the prayer requests and things that are going on in the congregation. And we all have our own experiences of difficulty in life. And often we're in pursuit of joy, but how do we get joy? How can we have that joy of the, of the resurrection? And I would propose to you that joy does exist alongside all of these difficulties and hardships of life. And we see it in our readings, we see it in the disciples, and we can also see it as we come to see Jesus. The Christian writer C.S. Lewis uh, made a statement that's really stuck with me through the years as I've reflected on this theme of joy. And that is that he talked about second things and first things. He says that you don't get second things by putting them first. You get second things by putting first things first. So in this case, what is the first thing? The first thing is God. You shall have no other gods before me, right? If we put God as the first thing above all else, then the second things, the second order effects, the good things that are to follow after him will fall into their place. And so today, as we look for joy, which may be a second thing, what is the first thing that we need to see? We need to see our risen Lord Jesus. And if we see our risen Lord Jesus, we will be filled with the inexpressible joy that Peter described, the inexpressible joy that overcame the disciples even while they were being beaten for sharing the gospel. A famous person made an interesting observation about joy, and he said that you Christians lost the world when you lost your joy. I don't really agree with all of his sentiment, but I think it's an interesting observation. You lost the world when you lost your joy. He was saying something about the magnetism, the power of joy. And from the very first century of the Christian church, uh, back in Acts chapter 5, which we just heard, 2,000 years through now, one of the things that has been magnetic and mysterious about the Christian faith is our joy. Joy even in the midst of these griefs and difficulties, losses and persecutions. You might think of Paul and Silas singing while they were in the stocks, locked up in prison. And the joy that brought others in that prison cell and ultimately the Philippian jailer to faith. Now, I said I would like to talk about a little bit of what joy is and what it isn't. And I would put to you that joy is not simply happiness. Happiness is an emotion. It floats up, it floats down, 
It goes with the external circumstances that we're facing. Happiness can easily be lost or taken away uh, when things aren't going well. We don't really expect happiness to exist alongside the grief and suffering and difficulty in life. And in our pursuit for joy or our pursuit for happiness, if we conflate the two or confuse the two, sometimes we think we just got to get rid of all of our suffering and then we'll be happy, right? But I would suggest to you that's pursuing happiness as a first thing, in which case we don't end up finding it. We need to pursue God as the first thing. We need to see our joy by seeing Jesus risen from the dead, and then we can hope for joy to follow. But I also want to suggest to you that joy is much deeper than happiness. Joy rides through the difficulties of life. Joy has roots. It has foundation. It stands on the, on the resurrection promises of our living Lord Jesus. And that is what gives joy its strength. And that what, that's what enables joy to be found in these unexpected places. Listen again to that reading from 1 Peter 6, 1, 6 through 8. In this, your salvation, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though it Perishes, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Though we have not seen him, or though you have not seen him, you love him. That's sort of an echo of uh, John there when he says, uh, Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Real joy can't be faked. It can't be forced. It can't be manufactured. I can't tell you, just be joyful. And then suddenly you're joyful. No, it doesn't work like that. You need to behold, you need to see the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In fact, if we try to force it or compel it, that will extinguish our joy. And we don't need to feel compelled in some way to artificially paint a smile or put on a mask when we're not, in fact, uh, feeling happy or joyful. But joy can ride through the difficulties. Joy can exist even at a funeral, mourning the loss of a loved one, knowing that they are with the Lord because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Joy is there even in the midst of tears. And joy doesn't mean brushing away, ignoring, or denying the challenges that we face. It's not pretending as if there isn't suffering in this world. Our joy can be attacked. It can be lost when we forget the treasures we have in Christ. And that's why, again, we need to return to putting the first thing first. We need to see the Lord. We need to put our hope in Him. And there our joy will be well-founded. Joy also can be stolen away from us by lies, deception, or simply distraction from what matters most. You know, I think sometimes in experiencing joy, maybe 
we could feel a little bit like uh, Ebenezer Scrooge in the Christmas Carol. Have you ever seen the Christmas Carol, various adaptations where he's peering into the window of uh, the family of Tiny Tim, and he's observing the joy, the happiness that they have in the midst of their poverty as they're celebrating the Christmas feast, and they're remembering the joy of God in their hearts, and he's on the outside looking in. Well, I think about that a little bit in reverse when the disciples are gathered, locked in fear, locked in with their fear, in the room on Easter evening, and Jesus bursts in among them with his joy. He shows he's alive. The things that they, are fear, that they have feared are untrue. He is risen from the dead. And there he breaks in unexpectedly, unlooked for. And so it is in our life when we are locked in fear, when we are trapped in sorrow, in guilt or shame, Jesus has the power to break into those locked doors and come into our life and bring the joy of the gospel, the joy of his resurrection. President Harrison of our synod wrote about the secret of joy, and he said, in fact, there is a kind of joy so profound, so enduring, that it can only be known and felt in one way. Its weaker shadows must be dashed and lost. Here's the secret. If we seek joy for its own sake, that is, seeking it as first thing, if we seek joy for its own sake, we will not find it. But if we seek Jesus, first things first, we shall be engulfed and inundated by joy and quite by surprise. So again, to restate that, to say that joy is elusive if we seek it for its own sake, but if we seek Jesus, Joy will come to us unexpectedly and spontaneously. So to find more joy, look always more to Jesus. Dive deeper into the good news of what he has done. And so joy rises up. It rises up and it lifts us. And it grounds our joy. We are standing on him, on his promises. Seeing joy is nothing else but seeing the Lord. And what makes for our Easter joy? Look again to John 20. Jesus breaking into their sadness, showing his victory over death, over fear, over sin and shame. We see his joy in his peace be with you. He came again and again with that phrase, peace be with you. And what did that mean? It meant that we are reconciled with God. To know that all is right in our relationship to God because our sins are forgiven and Jesus is living. So that is the joy of forgiveness. And one author describes that forgiveness. He says, wherever forgiveness is proclaimed, there is joy and festive garments. God is so completely different from what we thought or feared. News that he has sent his son and is inviting us to share is an unspeakable joy. An unspeakable joy. We heard in First Peter the inexpressible joy. Jesus, when he meets his disciples, last week in Matthew 28, we heard how they fell down at the feet of Jesus. They were grabbing hold of his feet, that physicality of his body. He was alive, risen from the dead. Thomas, touching his hands, his wounds, 
his side. He needed to see and feel and touch. A real living body. Enjoy that physicality of the resurrection news. Don't get swept into a, a ghostly, poor imitation of the resurrection where we think, oh, we'll just be wispy spirits in the, in the hereafter. No, there's a real joy to the knowledge that in the redeemed and restored creation, we will have our living bodies free of any sickness, illness, suffering, or loss. Jesus encounters us. He comes to us, breaking into our locked doors of gloom and joylessness through his word and sacrament. And in his word and sacrament, that is where we see Jesus, a word that is not dead or lifeless, but is living, powerful, and accomplishes what God has promised. We sing it every, every time we hear the gospel reading. Your words are the words of eternal life. Eternal life. A word that endures forever. And here we come and worship face to face with the love of God in Jesus on the cross. And lastly, we will soon gather to receive the joy of his body and blood, bringing back his promises, his delivery of this gift to you, that you are experiencing the forgiveness of your sins and that pledge of life everlasting. So, dear Christians, I ask you again, do we have our joy? Are we missing our joy or do we have our joy? In our sufferings, our sorrows, our blessings and triumphs, do we have joy through it all? Seeking joy for its own sake, we will find it elusive. But putting first things first, seeking our Lord Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, we will find joy unexpectedly breaking in to our sorrows, our griefs, and in the midst of our joys and happiness, we will find it. A joy that is deep, real, and abiding all through the storms of life as we are secure in his presence and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Amen.